Welcome back to another episode of Freaky Fridays. Today's episode is going to be kind of long, I think. So I suggest you grab your little beer, your little cup of tea, your glass of wine, whatever it may be. I have my little tea here. And we are going to do, by request, Tiger King. (laughs) Oh my god. This documentary was... It really had me hooked on like the first maybe two episodes. And then after that, I was just praying to God to let it be over. And there is so much hype around this. So I got a lot of requests from a lot of different people saying, hey, can you kind of do like a review overview of Tiger King? And I said, okay. So then, you know, I got my little computer, got my little notes ready and started watching it and it begins with like people trying to um give you the gist of what big cat people are like so I like blinked and then I opened my eyes and I saw a giant ass lion like a whole ass full lion in a damn convertible and I'm thinking this lion lives a better life. (laughs) This lion lives a better life than I have in my whole 22 years of life. And then you see a guy in the beginning, and I want you to listen to this quote because it's important. He wants you to know that monkey people are kind of strange, but the big cat people are backstabbing pieces of shit. (laughs) My God, and if that doesn't, if that's not an intro, if that's not a hook, then, man, your English teacher would not be proud of you. So, Tiger King is introduced to us by a news anchor who states that Tiger King tried to have a woman killed. So, that, that's quite the, mm, your identifier. I've always wanted to know what my identifier was, but I guess... Joe Exotic's identifier, Tiger King, is, um, I don't know, murder for hire, I guess you could say. So you meet Joe Exotic by a phone call from Grady County Jail, who states he is threatened with 79 years in prison. And then it'll zoom into a bunch of tigers pulling on human legs and... (laughs) everybody it's like a giant montage of big cat owners who are stating that these animals are like never gonna hurt him and then hurt them and then as soon as a guy says he's never even been bit bit by a tiger a tiger tries to attack him and I was screaming at this part he's like no 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 it's okay because people are trying to get the tiger off of him and he's like see I'm not hurt like (laughs) the tiger literally just tried to eat him (laughs) So then we are introduced to Carol Baskin. And the only thing that I have to say about Carol is is simple, really. It's actually in a song. So I hope you're ready for this. Carol Baskin. 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 Carol Baskin.
mirror and crash, crash, crash into a ditch. Just playing. Had to add in the just playing so, you know, she doesn't come and sue me. But then after, you know, you're introduced to her, she will, you know, she states like, Joe Exotic tried to murder me. And then you go into a straight quote about Joe Exotic, about how people would describe him. And it is completely insane, gay, gun-toting, drug addict, fanatic, like a mythical character. And... If something were to happen to me, I hope that somebody would describe me as a mythical character because <laughs> I that's like the the highest title you could own that somebody thinks you are mythical in my opinion anyway. And Joe actually kind of reminds me of my friend Joey. Shout out, hey Joey. And his name is well, we refer to him or we call him Junkyard Joe. And he reminds me so much of Joe Exotic. So if you're listening listening to this, it's a compliment. It's not bad. He's just real bougie like you, and you guys are really super extra. So I love you anyway. But don't don't take it don't take offense to it. Winniewood, Oklahoma, is where Joe lives with his 187 big cats. He started building it in like 1999 and he will talk to these tigers like they're dogs or cats and (laughs) he's just like no don't do that like put that down and there's like a giant ass cat and he's like Betty no you put that down (laughs) like like a Karen at at a Walmart telling her kid to put the toy back because it's too expensive or something. Who am I kidding? Karens can afford everything. They ain't going to yell at their kids to put it back. Anyway, so they have like bears on leashes and he'll like dance with monkeys. And oh my God, that eyebrow ring he has on his eye is literally, well, where else would he have its eyebrow ring? My bad. The eyebrow ring he has is literally just, it's hanging on by the grace of God. (laughs) That's about how much patience I have left in my life is Joe Exotic's Joe Exotic's eyebrow ring hanging from his eyebrow. It is literally just one day going to pop right out his face. So we come to learn that Joe has a kind of like an internet broadcast and it's called Joe Exotic TV. And he also has a website, of course, JoeExoticTV.com. And then after showing you like a few skits about what he does on his broadcast, it'll go straight back to Carol Baskin. And then it says like she's the CEO of Big Cat Rescue. And since 2006, they've had this feud because she claims to advocate for wildlife, right? But what I don't understand is Carol says she takes the cats and then she'll, she supposedly puts them in like a sanctuary But she takes them back to be in cages until they die. So why not return them back to wildlife if she feels so strongly about cats in cages? Like, that's the part I don't understand. You're coming after Joe for all of this shit, but you are literally doing the same thing except putting a flower crown on your head and thinking you're like a cat savior. So, uh, that's a no from me. And then suddenly we are in, um, Joe Exotic's gift shop where he has skincare items, he has honey, barbecue, he's got lube, he's got Tiger King chonies with animal print on them, and he says it's his bestseller because people love that for some reason. Uh, he's been on magazines, and he has made, he shows his 
two albums that he's made and guess what the first one is called <laughs> that's had me rolling on the floor i saw a tiger that is what, literally what one of his albums is called <laughs> my god so then we get like how do I explain this? So, you know how in those really dramatic A&E shows, people will, like, turn around slowly. I don't know. Why am I doing the action? I'm, like, turning around slowly and crossing my arms. Like, that's what he does. So, they're doing, like, this <laughs> dramatic turnaround cross arm thing. And then they stare right into the camera. And it has me dying every single time because they just keep doing it and doing it. I'm like, don't you ever get tired of turning around dramatically in the camera? But Joe Exotic is very um, egotistical. He's very full of himself. He's so about Joe Exotic. So, you know, more power to him, but that's a little much. Joe then states that he knew he was gay at 13 years old and that his father didn't take it very well. So this, of course, kind of hit him pretty hard because his, I think he said, like, his dad shook his hand and, like, basically said, like, don't come back. So then he drove his car over a bridge and he broke a bunch of shit and then went to recovery in Florida. And then around that time, his neighbor was the manager of a place called Lion Country Safari in West Palm Beach. And he would take home the exotic animals and he would like bottle feed them at night. So that's where Joe developed this interest in exotic animals. And then we meet another man that I cannot stand in the entire doc documentary because he is, he just reminds me of those kids in high school that would like never shut up and like they always knew the answer, always thought they were right. So they would talk over the teacher thinking they were like God or something. Yeah, this is what this guy reminds me of. So his name is Doc Antle, and he is from, or he is in South Carolina, and they call him Bag Bagavon, yeah, Bagavon, and then he is the director of Myrtle Beach Safari and the Rare Species Fund. So they're showing a bunch of, like, I don't know, exhibits that he shows, and this lady is dragging a cat across the floor and I was trying not to cry so bad because she's just dragging this poor lion just dragging it basically mopping the floor with it and I felt so bad so that so they believe that when people are up close to them they will have a better connection and while they are petting the animals and stuff that it's a better way to preach to them about saving the rainforest because they can be like look this is what you're killing According to Antle, the start the starting price to get into his little um, park is $339. But on the day that they were filming it, he had said people were paying $625. So it's a minimum of $10,000 a year to feed each tiger with him. Meanwhile, Joe says that he can feed a tiger on $3,000 a year, and he has 227 tigers. So that is three quarters of a million dollars a year to feed his tigers. And watching them feed the tigers are so scary. They literally drag a dead cow just with their mouth like it's nothing. So I'm like, do these people not see that and not get scared? Because they will just eat you and you will be gone cough cough at carol's husband he had shack at his zoo <laughs> and they make sure to make that very 
to make it a point. Like, this is how famous he was. He had Shaq at his, at his zoo. Uh, Antle was on David Letterman and Jay Leno, and it's kind of crazy. They have videos, and they show you um, him on these people's talk show hosts. And Antle's Tigers had made movies like Ace Ventura, The Jungle Book. And to think that his Tigers were in the movies is kind of crazy because I, I don't want to say he had them well-trained, but the man knew what he was doing. So then it takes us to Zanzville, Ohio in 2011, and we are placed in, like, I don't know, the middle of a 911 phone call, I guess. People are saying how uh, these wild animals were kept in captivity when the sheriff, and then a sheriff made an announcement that 50 wild animals had been kept on a private farm, and then they were set loose because the guy just kept them in his backyard and they had to shoot 48 out of the 50 animals. So then that's where, you know, people started really paying attention like, hey, like my neighbor could have a giant tiger and I wouldn't even know about it. And then <laughs> it takes us to this scene where Joe is like feet, <laughs> feet away from a live tornado and he's saying like, this is what we hate. This is our biggest nightmare, a giant tornado when we have giant cats. Like <laughs> He's so extra and he's just on a four-wheeler acting like he's more tough. He's more tougher. He's like more powerful than this giant ass tornado. Now I'm like, Joe, get your ass home, please. And he said, he had said in an interview that if somebody tries to go into his facility, it was going to be another Waco. And that was... <laughs> fucked up so carol exploits animals just as bad as the other two so i don't know why she acts like an advocate so the whole time during this duration of the documentary we're seeing her so-called sanctuary but the cats are obviously way too big for the cages that she has them in and they are not kept up with they're not clean they're not nice like it makes me just feel so bad for these poor tigers. I'm going to try to keep my opinion out of it because obviously I'm not fond of this, but she really pissed me off because she's such a hypocrite. Joe threatened Carol multiple times and then one day she opened her mailbox and it was like full of snakes. And that's where the first episode like just cuts off. And I know it's like really jumpy back and forth, but it'll go from one person and you'll watch them for 15 minutes. Then you'll watch another person for 15 minutes. And then it's like interview, 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 you know, and it's like, it's not hard to follow, but it's really back and forth. So if I sound a little jumpy, that's it. We're already 14 minutes in and I have like a billion notes. So I'm going to try to talk faster and try not to insert myself so much. So... Then episode two kicks off with another 911 call. One of Joe Exotic's employees' arms was ripped off by a tiger. Cult of Personality is the title of the second episode. So, you know, just rem remember that and really keep a feel for that throughout this whole thing that I'm going to be talking about. The employee was back in the park five days after she decided to amputate her arm because she felt like if she went back soon, then this would be like make. This would make people feel as though she wasn't afraid of the tigers and they shouldn't be either. And did you guys see the little dogs just Jay chilling, walking around in a lion cage? Like they're little weenie dogs walking around in a lion cage. In the lion cage as if that lion couldn't swallow them whole. <laughs> Those brave ass dogs. And then Antle 
will walk around on his elephant like it's normal. So you just see him walking down the road on an elephant and his neighbor saying, oh, hey, doc. And then it says that Joe would breed and sell a baby tiger for 2000 and then now it's illegal. And so they will try to make you assume that he stopped, but it doesn't seem like he ever stopped. Then we meet a man named Tim Stark, as if there isn't enough people in this documentary. And he believes that they should breed them to keep them from being endangered. And then he claims that he has bought a hun- like hundreds of animals from Joe. Then we talk about a giant drug dealer named Mario. And he also had a private collection of wild, wild animals in his home. But they used to cut snakes. They would cut snakes open and then fill them with drugs and then sew the snakes back up. And then the documentary crew was finally able to get into his place, and then they learned about his drug past. They compared to Scarface. He was freed after an, an appeal, and he respects Joe because Joe has always respected him despite his past, and he's good friends with Antol. He met him in 1982, and then you learn that Mario's wife loves monkeys, and he shall go buy them premature clothes <laughs> at baby stores, and... It's it's a lot of sauce. There's a lot of people. I'm just trying to cover this all all of this with hopefully it not being too much sauce. And then nobody has a steady answer as to how many wives Doc Antle has. <laughs> they all have their own separate houses. They all live separately, but he calls them all partners. But he is uh he's a little sketchy. And then after everybody's like, I don't know how many wives he has and then everybody talks about how much chicks he has how hot they are how he has them well trained blah 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 then it says Ames Iowa all big and then they interview one of Antle's old apprentice apprentices Barbara Fisher who describes the whole thing as kind of it kind of sounds culty to me uh she said to the filmmakers that they would call Antle uh Bagavon, which means lord so i'm getting some wild wild country vibes if you guys know what i'm talking about go watch that documentary it's actually pretty good even his own son called him like an all-knowing seeing guy that kind of fits in his character that's what he seems so then barbara would said quote you're this garbage person but if you listen to me i'll make you great and that is what antle would say to them she also said, if you want to get to the top, you would have to sleep with him. And you know what that screams? Cold. He wanted, <laughs> he wanted virgins so that he could have this like life, lifetime connection with them. And I'm like, okay, slow down, ba- Bhagwan. I thought we weren't watching Wild, 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 Wild Country. I thought this was Pincha Tiger King. But you guys know the vibes. So... We then learned that Joe has multiple husbands. And then Carol gets volunteers, so everyone works for free. She's smart, but that's kind of, excuse my language, fucked up. Even though I've been saying all sorts of profanities out here. I know they think they're helping these animals and and being like advocates for them, but they are still in cages, small, messy, unkept cages, and it makes me feel so bad. The whole time I was watching this, all I could hear in my head was, What do tigers dream of? I'm to take in a tiger's new <laughs> Because it just shows close-ups of these tigers' faces and it's all dramatic. So back to the, the documentary, Jumping Everywhere. Barbara, 
she talks about Doc choosing his, quote, partner's outfits and uh, having them change their names. He controlled their day. They could only be vegetarian. And he tried to pressure Barbara to get implants. And then they made her an appointment. And Barbara could never remember if she agreed. But she couldn't say, she felt like she couldn't say no to a surgery. But she was just glad that after the surgery, she got to rest. And she seemed like so relieved. And it made me sad. Like, I felt so sad for her because she was like, we worked all day. So having a, being able to get a break was totally worth the surgery and how hard must he have been working them you know but to each is their own when the filmmaker is questioning Antle about his workers and how people need their own lives you can see Antle's mood change and you can tell he gets super angry and then he yells you are leading me down a road to where people are going to believe you have to join a fucking tiger cult to be a tiger trainer that is a quote So he gets mad offended, and I'm like, okay, groomer. Joe's employees would go through the meat truck to eat because they would get, like, um, giant truckloads of meat from Walmart, and their employees would just go through it and take it to their trailers. The water didn't work. The bathroom didn't work. The conditions were horrible, and these people who, in reality, had no other place to go would go there with Joe because he would say, I'm going to give you an opportunity. And, oh my God, I think that was, it sounds like there's a tiger outside, but I think it was a car. Anyway, sorry, what was I saying? Um, You know, he would hire like people who just got out of jail and then he would take them to live in these shitty situations. And then, you know, they would feel trapped. Like they had to stay there because they had nowhere else to go. There's a rumor that Doc euthanizes his cubs when he's done with him and that's just that's just disgusting so then there's the ending of the episode and then mark mccarthy spills the tea on carol who says if you attack carol she would go after them with her millions that she inherited from her husband that has been dead and missing for years her third husband you guys that's her third husband oh my god so yes and that's how episode two ends with you finding out that carol's husband has been dead and or missing for years with that we go into episode three titled the secret and then we get footage and pictures of mccarthy telling us um she saw her husband a month before and he told her Oh, my bad. He told him that he was feeling like his life was in danger. So Carol's husband or ex-husband was named Don Lewis. And then we are introduced to his ex-wife, Gladys, who says the last day she saw him, he told her that he was done and he wanted a divorce and she was dangerous and that he wanted both of his daughters to stay away from her. Don told many people that he was going to get a divorce, and then nobody saw him again. It gives us a backstory on how he and Carol met. She had gotten in a fight with her first husband, so she was walking down the street, and after several attempts, Don picked her up, and then they spent the night together, and even though he was married with kids, he just, he just bounced. His ex-wife Gladys spills the hot scolding tea and said he used to call her Angel, so I told him if she's an Angel's If she's an angel, then she's sent straight from hell, and one day you'll find out. (laughs) 
<laughs> She's an angel sent straight from hell, and one day you'll find out. Damn, sis. Calm down. Don was a multimillionaire, and in the early 90s, Carol bred and sold cats. So, I don't know why she is being real salty to Joe and everybody else if she literally bred and sold cats. I don't think... So, with the whole divorce thing, I think that Carol didn't want to lose everything, and she felt threatened, and so she fed him to the cats. But, um, that's my opinion. <laughs> don't, don't, don't take me for it, because then she might sue me, and I don't got billion dollars to, um having law fees court fees Anne mcqueen who was don's executive ex- executive assistant was given an um, an envelope by don and he told her to take it and keep it safe and if anything happens to him to give it to the police he gave her a copy of the restraining order he had gotten against carol and it states that this has been the second time carol has gotten angry enough to threaten to kill him and then that they got into a big fuss. She ordered him out of the house or she would kill him. And she had a 45 revolver and she took his 357 and hit it. This happened in June and then he went missing in August. So, hmm, I don't know, kind of fishy. A lot of fishy. He was supposed to go to Co- Costa Rica, but the investigators don't believe like he flew there. And then Carol tried to convince everyone that it might have been like... He had, like, dementia, so maybe his plane crashed and he doesn't remember where he is. But every single person in the dire- in the documentary calls bullshit, so. And so do I, but whatever. In Carol's diary, she wrote, I wish there was a way out for me because she was tired of Don's cheating. Please, you guys, please, go watch the music video for Here, Kitty, Kitty, where Joe had a lookalike Carol feeding meat to a tiger and I am screaming. <laughs> It's literally a music video about how she killed her husband or how he suspects she killed her husband. I just want to add that Don's lawyer is one spicy boy. He is literally so angry and always screaming at every question. Anne McQueen was a suspect because Don trusted her. And everybody kind of points the finger at her, but I really don't think she had anything to do with it. Carol's brother was also a member of the sheriff's department and her family did not like Don, so some people were convinced that her family helped her get rid of him. Carol and her dad had asked one of the men who worked for Don, his name is Kenny, to let them into the office. Everything was cut in the office and then the police showed up because the fire alarm went off and because that was Anna Queen's office, she showed up and... She states there were two wills and two power of attorney under her desk. The cops couldn't stop Carol from taking anything because, of course, she was the wife. And Anne says the paperwork was taken out of her office that day. Carol prepared Don's power of, att- power of attorney and gained control over the state. The power of attorney says, upon my disappearance, and even the lawyer was shook at this. I was shook at this. Why would? Because some people would say, like, upon my death. But how are people... How are people going to know they're going to disappear unless you fed them to the cats? (laughs) So after Don, quote, disappeared, Carol got rid of everything. One of Don's daughters said that there was a paper on the fridge that said, never speak this man's name in this house again. When you disappear, you you legally can't do anything for five years. So five years and one day later, Carol had him declared dead. Big coincidence, huh? Yeah. That's what I'm saying too, girl. 
Carol seriously has an answer for everything. Like, everything's so rehearsed. It's ridiculous. Like, she, she will come up with something for every single question that the that the filmmakers asked her. Her daughters only inherited 10% of Dawn's estate. And then Carol threatened Dawn's ex-wife and two daughters that if they speaked out, she would leave them with nothing. And then episode four plays and... You know, it opens with a call, another call from Joe Exotic from Grady County Jail in Oklahoma in 2019, where he says that he and Carol made money off of each other because they were always back and forth in the media and in the press and all this stuff. So them saying this name and them saying that name would bring people, you know, and keep people talking. Big Cat Rescue decided to... Why... This is starting to become too much loss, you can tell. (laughs) So Big Cat Rescue decided to sue Joe Exotic for copyright because Joe was kind of like, I don't know, maybe taking their shit and like just mixing it so it didn't look like it, just so that it would ping off the same, like if you type one name in, then obviously it's going to come up in Google. Then they talk about Joe's reality TV show, and this definitely shot up his ego so much that he started yelling at visitors, and he just became even more egotistical than he already was, which is a lot. So after Big Cat Rescue gets into the lawsuit, then Joe agrees to pay them nearly $1 million to resolve this lawsuit. But then Carol went for his possessions, which surprised a lot of people because she claimed to be one for the cause and not to go for money. But honestly, I'm not surprised because I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no. Get down, Carol. But then Joe went to Chicago for a funeral, and then there's the security there at his um, park was woken up by a blast, and then there was a fire where Joe kept his alligators and all the footage footage that was shot of Joe was in there. Joe claims Carol offered his producer, Rick Kirkham, $20,000 to get all the footage and set it on fire so that there, you know, there, there would be no evidence of everything that Joe had said about Carol. There is also a speculation that Joe started the fire. And with that part, I'm not sure what I believe because everybody's a little sketchy. The case is still open. The lawsuit between between Carol and Joe has cost her and her partner about a million dollars. After all this talk with the lawsuit, he literally drags a poor baby cub that was just barely born with a metal rod. And I couldn't even watch this because it made me so sad and I cannot believe it. But this little baby tiger is just barely born. And he's like, they're pulling it through the fence so that they can check the gender. But they're pulling it with like a metal rod. And (laughs) it gave me so much anxiety. Anyway. Joe got so desperate that he began negotiating with Carol in order to, like, in hopes that she would accept the offers that Joe made, but then she wanted his parents' house as collateral, yet she still claims she's not in it for the money. We are then introduced to Jeff Lowe, who is a rich dude, supposedly, but is not the best um, dude around, I suppose. Joe's lawyers recommended that they sign the exhibit off to Jeff, so then Carol would have to restart the lawsuit, and that's what they did. Of course, things kind of took a turn for the worst, and um, all of his money that Jeff supposedly had was fake. The very last line in the episode is, Jeff Lowe stole the zoo. 
Lowe then came in and fired a bunch of people when he started and brought some of his own. They all didn't get along, but, you know, it'd be like that sometimes. It's gotten super dry at this point, and at this point, I'm just ready for this to be done, but more drama keeps happening, and you can tell that they were just trying to milk the shit out of this. Joe has now claimed that he is running for president. His advertisement was, I'm not changing the way I dress. I refuse to wear a suit. I am gay. I am broke as shit. I have a judgment against me from some bitch down there in Florida, and this is all paid for by the committee of Joe Exotic Speaks for America. <laughs> Oh my god, he really tried this. And then when he felt like he didn't have a chance, he started running for governor. Joe was filming an ad and then he literally got dragged by a liger. And so he started hitting the cat with a cane, shooting shots at it, calling it a bitch. And then he kind of just lost it. His mood swings were going crazy. And then he just goes on to state that he's had his days of drinking, smoking, and he's had his days of meth. Both of Joe's husband had told multiple people that they weren't even gay, but they stayed for all the nice things that Joe would buy them. John had been sleeping with the girl who was running the front desk, and then he got her pregnant, and then they went off and got married. And then it skips to Travis, Joe's other husband, punching the truck. Then the campaign manager states that he was a prisoner at the zoo. He couldn't leave. He couldn't leave the zoo. He couldn't leave... Um, to go to work, he couldn't have a job, and he didn't have enough drugs, so Travis often pointed guns at people. And then you see the camera in the security office, and it's pointed to Joe's campaign manager, who's just sitting in a chair, and you see him, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you see like this flash, and he says, but before that, he says that he saw Travis point the gun to his head and he pulled the trigger and you can see the expression on this man's face that Travis was dead. And Joe, of course, spoke and sang at the funeral. I don't know why nobody called him out on that because, you know, people are mourning and Joe is trying to make a show out of it. And I don't know, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Lowe was getting tired of Joe, so he took the business to Vegas, where he tried to make the idea of a tiger bus, so then that way they could travel through Vegas while people played with the Cubs. But that idea was a bust. Two months after Travis passed away, Joe married a boy, a guy, a dude named Dylan, and he met him through a chat room. It seemed like people actually wanted to vote for Joe as the governor, which is kind of a scary thought, and... But I don't know, people are surprising in this country. Anyway, he lost, and then it kind of sent him way off the edge. So then the next episode begins with Shade on low for domestic abuse, and because he put baby cats in suitcases and would put them around Faye and would just take them around Vegas in these suitcases. Lowe decides to take the park from Joe, so Joe burned all the records, computers, everything. He shipped out a few animals, and he sold them and basically got the hell out of there. But the way he treated this tigers, these tigers is honestly just a lot for me. He was like hitting them with a metal rod, sedate, sedating them, and it was a lot. So then we skip to Joe singing, playing music in his truck with a tiger in the passenger seat because now he is moving to an undisclosed area where nobody can find him because he's trying to avoid all the trouble. Word on the street is that Joe put a hit on Carol and it is speculated that Joe hired Lowe to kill her and then Joe had planned to shoot her while she was riding her bike. Joe asked multiple people, including employees, to kill Carol. 
Jeff Lowe called a meeting at Applebee's of all places and said he wanted to get rid of the zoo, so he made an offer for half a million dollars to Carol that he would give up Joe Exotic and all the crazy messed up shit he's done. And then enter James Garrison, who was like, I don't know, like a pimp, a a sugar daddy. I don't know. He was just a man who owned like strip clubs and had lots of money. He decided to be an informant for for the feds. James is, you know, trying to cover his own ass because he's done a lot of bad shit. And apparently he stole a Hummer and they make it, they make it known that supposedly he stole a Hummer. So that's on them. Alan Glover was supposedly going to do a hit on Carol. So James told the feds that there was a hit on her now. But my question is, why would Alan even trust Joe to kill Carol if the whole time he's complaining he hates him and he wants to kill him? Alan then left the exhibit. He didn't want to work there anymore. And then he just disappeared and went back to South Carolina because he was, quote, tired of this shit. Then James Garrison set up an undercover agent who asked for $10,000 to kill Carol, and Joe agreed. James then tells Lowe that he's working with the FBI, and then Lowe, of course, wants to try and squash the trouble that he got in in Vegas and decides to hand over Joe. And then James told Joe Exotic that... Ooh, hold up. James told the FBI that Joe Exotic had planned to kill Carol and had paid Alan the night before. The FBI could not do anything unless they had proof that he paid someone, you know, that he actually gave even like a dollar in advance that he, you know, to pay to put the hit on Carol. That's all the FBI needed. Joe was then arrested by officers in the parking lot and he literally states in a letter to Dylan, this is a quote, you would have thought they just caught Ted Bundy because of how extra the arrest was and that's that's a lot of sauce of course carol would take to the internet and tell everyone that she has a hit on her because she loves attention and then meanwhile jeff lowe is trying to rebuild a new zoo even though we all know that he doesn't give a shit about these animals and he's just trash and then finally fucking finally (laughs) episode seven Jeff Lowe allowed the cops into Joe's house where they found documents, flash drives, bones of big cats. The, you know, the state said that Joe had supposedly shot five tigers and then buried them and then they found the skulls, but I didn't see any evidence of that in the documentary, but I guess I'll just take the word for it. Joe was charged with 19 more charges for wildlife, you know, involving the wildlife and then selling and killing animals. The trial was super long as usual, and his former employees all testified against him. I don't know how the hell Jeff Lowe was not arrested for anything. He helped basically plot the murder several times, and he didn't even get a slap on the wrist. Alan lied under oath because he never went to Florida, but nobody called him out, and they still took his they still took his word for it, even though everybody knew he lied. And then after a few hours, I think it was like four hours of deliberation, the jury found Joe guilty of all 19 charges, and I honestly expected it. But here we go. Are you guys ready? Overall, I think Joe was a very impressionable guy, and he fell for a lot of Joe's traps. I mean, Jeff Lowe's traps, my bad. There's so many J's. And I don't know. Do you guys think he's innocent? I don't know if I think he's innocent. I mean, he did kill innocent animals and 
did claim to want to kill Carol multiple times. Honestly, you guys, this was one of the worst documentaries I've ever seen in my life. And honestly, I don't know what all the hype is around it. I sat my ass down from 5 p.m. when I got off work till 2.30 in the morning to watch this and take notes on this damn documentary. But wait, it's still not over because there's like a little ending part where Jeff Lowe is going to be a dad and then he makes this disgusting joke about getting his partner back into the gym after he after she gives birth like really don't be disgusting and then he's talking about having an attractive nanny and i hate him he's a pig james garrison rides away on a jet ski and you guessed it eye of the tiger is playing in the background and his hair is flowing in the wind and then joe is on the phone getting ready to spill all the scolding hot tea shut everybody down he shared information with attorney and guess what your homeboy had receipts so joe told an attorney that antel would put would put the cubs that have passed the age of being useful to him in gas chambers and then he would cremate the bodies in in his on-site crematorium then it ends with all the former employees remembering their favorite animals getting joe's name tattooed covered up and now they're just living their life if it was really about the tigers, everyone would have done anything to protect those tigers. But seriously, it's just about the money. It's disgusting. Send them back to where they belong in the wild and stop being selfish. But the last text of the documentary was, Joe was sentenced to 22 years in prison. The Big Cat Safety Act has not been passed. Doc Antle of Myrtle Beach Safari was raided by authorities in December 2019. He has not responded to the euthanation of cubs claim. 5,000 to 10,000 tigers live in captivity in the U.S. and fewer than 4,000 tigers remain in the wild. So overall, messy documentary really made no sense. Um, everything was just a lot and it may not have been my cup of tea, but I know a lot of people liked it. So I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give it like a five. Would I ever watch it again? No. Do I ever want to talk about it again? <laughs> no, definitely not. This was ridiculous. And I think this episode is literally 40 minutes. So this is probably going to be the longest episode we've ever had or we will ever have because I don't want to sit down and watch a seven episode documentary about tigers and men with earrings that are barely holding on. <laughs> Remember, that we are on all the things that are online twitter instagram patreon at passions or peace podcast send me a request or just a chat at passions or peace at gmail.com my personal snap is cindy marie 1116 i love you guys stay peaceful stay passionate take care of yourself wash your hands stay inside your house protect yourself take care of your family don't buy exotic animals and leave tigers alone <laughs> i love you guys please stay safe and we will see you in the next one. Bye.